Good morning. The Lord's blessings to all of you this day. So thankful to have you in worship to receive the Lord's gospel and forgiveness and also the sacrament. Let us begin our time with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings. Uh, And Lord, we thank you that as your people, we can cry out to you with a repentant heart and you will forgive and give us life and salvation. Uh, Lord, today we ask that you would indeed forgive our sins and fill us up with good things, with your gospel, with your sacrament, that we might go back to the neighborhoods, the places where we live, the places where we work, and share that good news of forgiveness and salvation in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Our readings today are focused around our gospel lesson, which is the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, uh, and it has kind of this, this sensibility of of uh, uh, an idea of self-righteousness and how is, how is God going to judge us? Well, he judges us with mercy and he gives us mercy. Uh, so our readings kind of focus in around that. Genesis chapter four. Now Adam knew, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle lesson is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. 
For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And our uh, section for our, go- uh, our text today, our gospel lesson, Luke 18, 11, and the idea of our sermon today, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. In our gospel reading, the context immediately before and around the reading is one of humility and love. Jesus is warning his disciples not to become arrogant. In fact, there's a section in the chapter before, chapter 7, where he literally says, do not be arrogant, right? Be humble uh, and, and be servants. Of course, the benchmark is always Jesus when we think of this idea. And, and whenever we see you know, this idea of him saying the lowest will become the greatest, he's literally talking about himself because he becomes the lowest. He takes on every sin of all mankind forever. It literally makes him the lowest person ever born. And yet he becomes the greatest because he's exalted in the heavens. No one is greater than Jesus. And I'm sure on that we can all agree. This is what Jesus does. He lowers himself to be born, to live as a human, to die on this instrument of gore and torture. No one humbles himself more. No one becomes lower. Jesus is the greatest servant and who we should model our lives after. However, immediately before our text is also the parable of the persistent widow. So you might think, oof, this is a lot. You know, this idea of just humble yourselves, humble yourselves, and be humble like Jesus. It's also the parable of the persistent widow. And the, the main point of the persistent widow is this. Our Father in heaven is a much more righteous judge than you could ever hope to find here on earth. He wants us to call on him, and he promises to listen to us as an earthly father loves and listens to his children. That's the kind of relationship our God and fa- our, our Father in heaven has with us. He loves us. So it's in this kind of this stew of humility and of the individual and love from the Father that this parable is kind of spoken into. And of course, we have the very first uh, word from the parable, which there were people who thought they were justifying themselves. That's why he tells, that's what motivates him to tell the parable in the first place. Well, what can we learn from it today? How can 
it clear our vision so that we can seek and hold on to the kingdom of God. Well, we see two clear characters in our text for today. Let's start with the Pharisee. This Pharisee depiction is not an embellishment. I, I know you're probably thinking it is like, who could be like this? But this is actually a fairly accurate depiction according to historical sources like Josephus and also rabbinical sources. Uh, here is a man who enjoys drawing comparisons, he likes to go out there and draw comparisons, but you'll notice he likes to draw comparisons with his fellow man. If we look hard enough and we ignore certain things about ourselves, certain things about others, we can find someone who is always worse than us. We as humans like to identify in groups or against groups in order to define ourselves and our personality. This man likes to point out the sins or objectionable behaviors of everyone else. Extortioners were most likely soldiers or guards, praetorians. Um, we find in the Gospel of Luke, shortly before this reading, um, John the Baptist says, to he's, he's preaching, and some of the soldiers that come out to John the Baptist, they ask him, what shall we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So when he says extortion, the Pharisee is kind of referring to extortioners. Most likely he's referring to, you know, strong, powerful men, maybe with protection rackets, right? Uh, uh, <clears throat> scaring people into giving them money. We can safely assume that's probably what the Pharisee's talking about. Unjust men are, are that. They're unjust. We have lots of those today. Uh, probably people who are appointed to be leadership positions or to judge, which is why they would be unjust. And it doesn't take a lot of imagination to know what an adulterer is. Uh, a tax collector would often take more than they were owed to keep for themselves. Uh, they worked hand. The, the other part about that was they were kind of shady and financially uh, uh, morally uh, uh, not good, but then also they worked hand in glove with the Roman Empire. So they were not only seen as cheats, but they were seen as, as toadies, you know, seen as, as usurpers for the Roman establishment. Against all of these, yeah, the Pharisee does compare better. And his deeds are certainly opposite of the people he mentions, right? I mean, you don't see a lot of of tax collectors fasting. You don't see a lot of soldiers giving alms to the temple and things like that. But as I said, it's pretty easy to find someone whom you look better than if you really try. The Pharisee shows us the human condition. We enjoy being able to show off, to be arrogant, to consider ourselves better than we really are. And we do it by comparing and contrasting our sins against others. Well, surely I'm not perfect, but compared to these other yokels, I'm a saint. And we go to bed at night feeling pretty good about ourselves. Our world either never gave up this vice or recently things seem to have gotten worse in these areas. We love to judge others in order to lift ourselves above others. Now notice the Pharisee isn't wrong. Just as the Pharisee is represented pretty accurately, so are the tax collectors, the adulterers, the soldiers, and the like. Someone may be wrong, sinful even, but the Pharisee's sin, his blindness, is comparing himself against other people and not against the holiness of God. It's a sad thing to be a pastor and watch our country, our world, 
tear itself apart. Nation against nation, dogma against dogma, ideology versus ideology. Even here in our little slice of heaven that is Sioux Falls, masked versus unmasked, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, red versus blue, parochial versus public, hymns versus praise, Lutheran versus non-Lutheran. We're as good as the Pharisees at times in pursuit of finding ways to compare ourselves to other people. Comparing ourselves against, you know, and then to lift ourselves up, make ourselves feel good, compare ourselves against the Klan, pedophiles, criminals, homosexuals, illegal immigrants, and the like. Put every thing you want to in that blank. There's something out there you think you're better than. Again, like the story, these things are wrong. We're not saying that they're not wrong. But we like the Pharisee take pleasure lifting ourselves up over these people, telling the world or anyone who are listening that we are better than them. We like to lift ourselves up, justify ourselves in the back of other sinners who are burdened just like us. The tax collector, our second character in the story, offers up a different comparison. For he is in the unenviable position of being better than no one. Who can he say he is better than without getting laughed out of the room? Know for him the whole weight of God is pressing down upon him. He can only compare himself with righteousness itself. And against that measure, he is wholly inadequate. You can see in the text, for someone with hope, someone who knows they are loved, they do not keep their eyes from the heavens where their father lives. Instead, the tax collector turns away from the heavens. He won't look to where his father sits because he is terrified of what his father might say. He humbles his head. He averts his eyes. He prays a simple prayer, a prayer of hope. Maybe, just maybe, God might be merciful. Truthfully, the tax collector has found the thing that might bind us all together. Ironically, for under the righteous judgment of God, none are worthy of forgiveness, let alone salvation. The same list from before, nation against nation, dogma against dogma, ideology versus ideology, mass versus unmasked, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, red versus blue, parochial versus public, hymns versus praise, Lutherans versus non-Lutherans, the clan, pedophiles, criminals, homosexuals, illegal immigrants. One of the things that binds us all together, all these disparate groups, is that under the holiness, the righteousness of God, we are all equally sinful and worthy of damnation and hell. Now, this is not going to lead us out to join hands across the world and come together because he is humbling us as it is. It can't do that. The law cannot make people grow, come, people come alive. It is unifying. Under the righteous weight of God, every person in this room is in the same boat. You're all the same. But there's no joy there. There's no peace in this truth, only death. So, we have choices. We could waste away the hours comparing ourselves against others and maybe feel better about ourselves for a little while. We could compare ourselves to the righteous God and 
ruminate in our sinfulness across the board, we can maybe find unity there. Perhaps there is another way. Instead of comparing others or comparing ourselves to God, we can see how God judges us, what he compares us to. We could remember how Christ changes our complexion and image. As true as it might be to find others to compare ourselves against, as true as it is to compare ourselves to God and find out how unrighteous we truly are, it is true, just as true, even more true, that God has blessed us with his image. Yes, it was given to you in your baptism. For you were washed in water mixed with blood. The blood came from the words of Jesus Christ. Words of forgiveness and love. I forgive you. You are mine. In that washing, we were given the righteousness of Christ. And in that washing, he has given, he was given our sinfulness, our foulness, our dirt. It added to him so much that underneath the cross, underneath all that pain and guilt and sin and despair, he died, the righteous one, the only son of God, <coughs> the lamb of God, who suffers and dies to take away the sins of the world. It was there that he set you free. And in baptism, that truth was applied to you by a washing of forgiveness of gospel, of holy waters. A freedom from sin given by faith from the Holy Spirit. The truth of the story is that we are all equally sinners. We need to stop comparing ourselves to each other and compare ourselves to God. The publican's right. The tax collector, he's, he knows what's right. He does what's right. He compares himself to the only thing that makes sense, to God, and he knows that he has failed. We will find this leaves us with a burdened heart. But our Savior tells us also that a repentant heart, a heart that cries out for forgiveness, is forgiven. He tells us that in the very parable. That man went home justified. A repentant heart that yearns to be set free will be in Jesus Christ. For our same Lord who was humbled on the cross is now exalted in glory. And he will be our judge. What do we have to fear? For when he compares us to our former unrighteous selves, all God will see is the blood of the Lamb that covers us. We will be compared to the Son of God and because of him, the Father will call us children. The Son will call us brother. Let us cast off our desires and inclinations to judge and compare ourselves because of groups or ideas or political parties. And instead, let us see each and every woman and child, man, woman, and child for what they are, a creation of God deeply loved by him. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
The Lord's blessings be upon you as his kingdom people. Uh, may you be fruitful in the vineyard that is who falls and sharing the word of God with other people. And I love you all very much and there's not a thing you could do about it. The Lord's blessings. <laughs>